Yeah, you recording? I'm recording you. We doing this? We're doing it. Welcome. Doing it well. Welcome to the Completely Unnecessary Podcast for the last day of summer, according to Ian. Tuesday, September 21st, 2021. We checked that out last week. He's Ian. Pretty I'm soon. Ian. I'm Pat Contry. I'm wearing the Macho Man shirt today. Ian should be proud of me. Uh, on, nice. on the show today, we'll be talking about um, a potential train wreck. <laughs> we'll be talking about... Uh, Golden auction results. Golden auctions. Uh, auctioning off their first video game stuffs. Very interesting results there as well. Um, we're going to be doing some other topics and things of that nature. We'll be talking about how awful it is if you collect uh, PC games. Oh, no. We're not going to talk about that. We love PC games and PC games. I'm a PC game collector. Sorry. Yeah, some people really took that that topic the wrong way. They took week. it. They took it to being that like we they thought PC games were worthless. We never said that. No, no, I love PC games. I'm literally I, just saying that they're not going to be as collectible as console games. Meaning the broader market, there's a way less of you out there. That's there's way a, less of us. It's not a us. personal attack on you. <laughs> I don't think you're bad for collecting PC games. I've spent several hundred dollars on an individual PC game. I think they're so awesome. I, they just uh, don't have the same grab. And just because they grab you doesn't mean that it's widespread. It's not. I've been to all the gaming conventions the past 10 years, the major ones. I've seen it. There's not a lot of out there. I'm glad there's a space for it. And yes, it's big <laughs> enough to even support some of its own conventions. It's just not as big. That's all I said. It's not as big. Is there is there a, a retro PC gaming I mean, there's, convention? There's, uh, there's retro computer conventions, and I'm sure oh, games not, and things games are in there. there. Okay. Yes. Like but I know there's a big Apple II one every year but it's, that would be it's, fun to it, go to. It's less, it's less than 5% of retro game collecting. It's, it's small. So, What did you do this weekend, Ian? You went to the zoo, right? I did. Yay! I, uh, I did a few things. Fishing I, cat. I went to the zoo, uh, renewed my zoo pass. Uh, they have fun names now. I think oh. we're like a wildlife protector. I think that's the tier that we bought in at. I thought they always had tiers like that. They, they've changed the tiers. So it's like, it's like the, uh, the lowest level tier. Which is still pretty good. And then, like, uh, there's the higher tier that has two versions. One with blackout dates and one without blackout dates. Um, Black, so there's blackout dates for if you're not, if you're not at that tier, you can't get in. It's like special dates. Yeah, it's like I think you can't go, like, weekends or Mondays or something like that. You can't go, you mean your card won't count? You yeah. Still pay, you pay, wow. Yeah. They changed that. Um, but honestly, it's like 20 bucks more for no blackout dates, and who cares? Here's the funny thing. I don't care about giving money to, to, the, to the critters. I don't care. Oh, that's what I yeah I yeah, I, I took you at that the wrong way. Uh, when it comes to zoo, I will pay whatever it is yeah, because okay. it, I feel like the money is going to something good. Yeah, yeah. I will I will pay the ten dollars for a shitty cheeseburger if I'm very hungry yes, at the care. zoo. I don't care. It's the food at the, the zoo is actually pretty good. Some of it is all right. Good nachos, good burgers. Um, John and I are planning on trying out Albert's. I think that's the sit down restaurant there. It's under new management. Uh, is Albert's the one when you walk in and you go right to the right? Uh, it's the one that's up right before the big bridge. Oh, the bridge one. Oh, their food was not that good before. They had like a meatball sandwich before that was like, eh, and they had like a... New management. 
New management. Well, so. Is it the management the zoo? Or do you, do you like, if, you're, if you own one of these restaurants, you have to, like, buy into the zoo know. to get in? I have no idea. Did they call it new management because they realized that was, like, the best location of the zoo, but the, like, Well, it's supposed the to be their food? fancy sit-down restaurant. But it's so. not good food there. Yeah, well, we're going to find out. I like I liked the, uh, the, what is it, the, 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 what is it, Sydney's Odyssey? The, I like the, the, the Outback restaurant. They have good food there. I think Vonnie goes there. They have good food there. They have a good burger. They, got, they have, like, um, I think they have, like, a pulled pork sandwich. It's pretty good there. I like that, and the place where you walk in with the sandwiches, good sandwiches, yeah, and like I think they have pizza slice, whatever. Most of the zoo food is good, but yeah, that one restaurant stands out because that's like the most beautiful spot to sit down at, and the food is like average at best. Like they got sandwiches and a meatball sandwich, and so I want to try that at some point. But yeah, no, well, let's I, do a zoo outing. Let's do it. I like the zoo. The uh, anyway, the the mid tier pass. It is one of those things. Vani and our our anniversary is coming up, uh, October eleventh. Six seven years. Uh, seven. Wow. Um, we've been together since 09, so quite some time. Uh, so have we, Ian. Yeah, yeah. So we're, go- <laughs> we're going to uh, Disney, and like just for two days at Disney per person, it's like 250, 260 something dollars. For two days? For two days. So like 130 a person? No, no, no. That's per person. It's like 200 something. It's like five. It's like. Almost five hundred dollars for. Was two, it two always that bad? No, no. I've lived in San Diego for almost sixteen years now, seventeen years. It has not always been. I that picture bad. it being like seventy bucks to go to Disney at one point or something like that. First year, I missed my anniversary. I didn't even think about it. Nine fourteen. You missed your wedding anniversary? No, anniversary of oh. moving here. Oh, okay. Um, mine's mine's eight twenty. It's about a week ago. Exactly a week ago. Eight twenty. Yeah. So, but yeah, it was like. Anyways, my whole point is two year passes to the zoo cost you what one two-day pass to go to disney is it's just and it's you can nuts. go you can hang out with the creators every day <laughs> yes like I, sometimes I, I do if i live close to the zoo within walking distance i'd be there three days a week just even for like a half hour say hi to my my critter friends oh john when he john was so close to the zoo when he used to live in north park that he would go there to get quarters for laundry and go say hi to like the penguins and then leave <laughs> well, the penguins had quarters and they changed there's there were change machines there there was change machines at the zoo yeah what for? Uh, they have them for the um, penny machines. Oh, that makes sense. I don't think I've seen uh, a change machine at this. There's one right by the front door. I was going to say, was there, is, there, is, there, is there an arcade uh, <laughs> that's manned by, manned by, uh, you know, the, some primates and cats, big cats? <laughs> Can't you change? There's, a, there's an old cat with that coin pusher belt thing. All right. Remember the coin pusher? I push? remember those, yeah. God, I want one of those. Mm-hmm. The change makers. Yeah. I used to know people who were fast on it who used to work in the arcade. <laughs> Oh, it's great. Um, That's all Jersey Shore stuff again. Yeah. Those guys, those, those old timers that, that probably were operating those in like the freaking 50s that were still there in the 80s and 90s were walking around giving you change. <laughs> okay. And you, get, you hand them dollars. But they, they had changing machines in the, in the, in the 80s, but mm-hmm. you know, they're probably still new and you wanted, you wanted the personal touch. Hey, can I, you know, your little seven year old. Hey, can I have change? All right. <laughs> Beautiful to you. Anyway, yeah, that was my weekend. I, I I shop for patio furniture on on Amazon. And yeah, that's right. And you saw you showed me what you were oh, looking at. Ian, Ian approved. Slick. Ian, Ian approved. It's gonna look my, nice. We're gonna finally have my the housewarming at at Castle Country uh, yeah, four, four, four years, years later. After the fact. Hey, the pandemic was thrown in there. You know, that's that's a year. Three and a years half. after the fact. Yeah. All right, he's already being sassy with me. Sassy. sassy. Ian. Uh, the SEC is going to be investigating mm. Activision Blizzard. Ian, you see this article? Uh, yeah, that's pretty big news. Big news. Is it big, big news? It's not. Okay, I was going to hit the button. Nope. 
Definitely not. They've launched, launched a uh, wide-reaching investigation into Activision Blizzard with a government agency looking into how embattled publisher, how the embattled publisher handled the multiple allegations of sexual harassment, abuse, and toxic behavior that became public following uh, California going after them in July. The SEC has subpoenaed Activision and several of its high-ranking execs, including CEO Bobby Kotick. Good. Um, they, this is like they started investigating Activision Blizzard and asking for the Call of Duty Warcraft publisher to hand over various documents. It's from the Kotaku write-up of it. They include the personnel files of six previous employees and records of CEO Kotick's communications with executives relating to the numerous complaints of sexual harassment and discrimination levied against Activision Blizzard staff. So up to this point, it, we, it, I guess I guess the word has been, or at least the prof, uh, profounding, that's the word, uh, opinion is that uh, Activision may have been, since they were separated from Blizzard, they may have been t- personally involved with all this shenanigans going on right. more on the Blizzard side. So I guess we'll find out for sure if they're subpoenaing the emails. Yeah. Know. Yeah, we'll when it first sure. came out, I, the, uh, the word was pretty quick that it was, oh, this is mostly a Blizzard thing. It's mostly the fucking Blizzard assholes. But now we're going to find you know. out. Um, either way, they're in trouble because it's the umbrella company. But you know, I don't know if the CEO is going to be personally, you know, connected to any of this, this stuff. I would, ho- I would hope that any individual. Then again, a lot we're doing bad behavior. You would not want to be personally connected to this shit. But then again, all this shit happens all the time. So I mean, like, right? I, I mean, it's insane. Uh, yeah, that's all I have to say about Ian. Since, since uh, any comments on it? It's not really. No, just speaking of assholes. Uh, what? the um. Disney Games Collection is getting a re-release. Wow! First, you attacked the, the price of their tickets, and and, and Mickey's going to come out with a baseball bat. Yeah. Well, a, a, a re, this is a re-re. Is this the first time we're doing a physical re-re-release? A re-re-release. Well, I mean, it had a physical version initially. That's what I mean. That's the physical re-release. This is a re-re-release. This is the second. Yes, re-release. a re, a re-release of a re-release. Uh, Disney a couple of years ago Release-ception. put out. Um, I have it over right there. Where is it? Put out a compilation uh, that had. I have it. I mean, that's great. We know what games look like. All right, you've got it. Uh, Lion King and Aladdin on it, and it had the uh, the Lion King between um, Nin- uh, Genesis and Super Nintendo was basically the same but it included the uh, snes game boy game boy color and mega drive versions of the lion king um it famously did not include the super nintendo version of aladdin which was the one that was made by capcom and was more of a platformer and less of an action game because it sure. didn't have uh, you, you, aladdin didn't have like a, a sword weapon and you got your soundtrack museum mode rewind anytime emulation stuff you can skip any part of the game there you go no so- nes versions because they're ass yeah, they're even, real bad. even compared to the Game Boy ones, they're they're not good. Um, but famously, did not have the Super Nintendo Aladdin. It also not famously because no one cares about it. Didn't have the Jungle Book. No one's ever given a shit about the Jungle Book. I don't think anyone has ever talked about that game being good or worthwhile. It sells very infrequently at Luna. Um, people do ask for Lion King and Aladdin all the time. They remember them fondly from their youth. Whether or not they're actually good games, everyone had them. They were everywhere. Sure. So they're re-releasing it. With the Jungle Book, they're adding uh, the SNES Game Boy and Mega Drive, so Genesis versions of the Jungle Book, um, and they are adding the SNES version of Aladdin. And other than that, it is the same, and they are selling it as a brand new collection. They are treating it as a brand new release. As of right now, there is absolutely no word that previous owners of this 
will get an update to add oh. the missing games. Also tonight, an update. We'll hope so. Fingers we'll hope. crossed, but it doesn't seem that way so far, and that would be kind of shitty. So this is less than two years old, this game release. This was the tail end yeah. of 2019. I cannot fathom them not having it download the new versions to you. Less than two years old, and you're telling me some people will want to go out and some people might say, oh, you know, what? I want that Super Nintendo version of Aladdin. I'm going to rebuy it. This this is really strange to see it happen this quickly. Re- really strange. Yeah. So there isn't anything that says that it's not going to be a download, but this um, article we're reading says it, it's being touted as an entirely new release. We're not sure if those who bought the first incarnation will get access to the SNES version of Aladdin. <laughs> Or the Jungle Book. I'm, Again, the, I mean, one of two things. I, if it doesn't, that sucks for the reasons we've discussed. And if it does, it sucks for reasons we've discussed recently well, in that physical copies of games don't mean a whole lot anymore depending on when well, they're released. if I'm Capcom, this is why I probably won't include them. If I'm Capcom and, and like, okay, you, you're probably, what is this, Nighthawk? You're probably going to uh, Nighthawk Interact and be like, okay, we're going we're gonna to license you out this many portions of the SNES Aladdin. That's going to probably include new release going forward. Nighthawk probably can't shell out the extra money to then have it be thrown at the people that already bought it two years ago. So I'm, my, my yeah, guess Yeah, I that, guess it really just depends on the amount of money that changed hands. Yeah, I, I can picture Capcom maybe being nice and say, yeah, okay, you can, th- you can give it to the people that bought it, but it's Capcom. Right. They're going to want... They probably want money for all the people, for Pat to get it and download it. They want to get a piece of that. So that's where it's like, from a business standpoint, probably we're stuck with these old obsolete copies out there, everyone. I'm sorry. I streamed this. I streamed myself playing. One of the few game, rare gameplay streams on Twitch. I, I did myself. Uh, I did myself. That sounded good. Um, I, I played, uh, I think I completed Lion King, which was incredibly difficult. Like, I always, I said at the time, I don't imagine any kid being this. Didn't game. you do the remixed version of Aladdin or did you do the normal version of Aladdin? What's the difference between the remix? What made it easier? Uh, less bugs, better scrolling. Might have been. That was a lot easier than than Lion King, though. Lion King was in, was nuts. To play I knew with. a kid who beat Lion King uh, as a kid, but I mean, as as a kid, that was a rare thing to see. I remember everyone pretty much working their way through Aladdin if they put their time into but it. But the funny thing is that the Lion King part that got me wasn't the uh, the when you're running away from the pack of animals. That one I went through pretty easy. It was like. The puzzle thing where you're getting thrown all over, like it was like that shit that drove me crazy. Like earlier in the game, drove me crazy on that. Mm. So, yeah, we're kind of screwed out there. Um, it, it, it's a shame that you know they won't do the right thing. But I'll do the right thing at UltimateNintendo.com. I will. I, I will have one going. That's pretty good. I, I will. I will definitely be sending you high quality NES and SNES guidebooks. RBI baseball stickers, enamel pins with our cute faces on them that are now looking better because of geology. Thank you, geology. That's all That's all going to be sent to you at ultimateintendo.com. Save your good one for next week, uh, Ian. Save your good one. Um, unless you want to do it two for you can throw it in. Nope. Um, I, um, also, I'll be on Twitch Wednesday night, twitch.tv slash country code. We're watching 80s and 90s now. With some, we watched the best of the 50s and 60s as well uh, last week, which was mostly candy stuff in the 50s and 60s. What I noticed about the 50s and 60s stuff, this was before all the government regulations. They said whatever the fuck they wanted on those commercials. Oh, sure. And you knew it was absolutely horseshit. At least now you're looking like, you, like, you can't say that. You can't say that, that that's like healthy, this shit. Like, I'm not even talking about like the, the, the cigarette commercials where 
It's like, oh, it's toasted. It's good for you. And it's like, uh, yeah. You should watch the Cliff's Notes version of the Vitamita Vegemin episode of uh, I Love Lucy. Oh, okay. Good one. Just because it's, you know, kind of. Was, was that sponsored content? It was. Well, it was like that was them talking about. No, I mean, it was it was making fun of I was sponsored like, content. Because I knew it back then that a lot was horseshit. Yeah. This stuff will, 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 will elongate your life. Like stuff like that. They say it's like, what? I don't think you can legally say that stuff on a commercial. Time for my monthly statement that I love Lucille Ball. It's been a long time since I've watched anything of hers, though. It's been a while. Well, she's been gone for a while. She was definitely twenty. Yeah, but I mean, I haven't years. gone back to like. I used to watch that shit all the time as a teenager and in my early twenties. Yeah, she died fairly young. She wasn't too old. She was seventy. Seventy-five. I thought it was even like late sixties. Yeah, well, well, she was a smoker, probably, and a lot of those people were back then in the golden age of Hollywood. Um, oh, seventy-seven years. Oh, okay, that was that's not bad for someone that w- was born in like nineteen, you know, fifteen, whatever it was, nineteen to eighteen. I always go back to that early Three Stooges uh, episode where she's like no older than eighteen. She looks like she's almost unrecognizable. Oh, yeah. She's like, like you're like, wow, she's a knockout. That's before you know all the comedy stuff, where she's just getting her, her foot in the door in Hollywood. That was like thirty four, so she must have been born in like nineteen sixteen. Something like that, or 1915. Uh, 1911, Jamestown, New York. 11? Mm-hmm. Okay, so she was like 23 in that Three Stooges episode. Okay. All right. A little bit a little bit older than I thought. It was Three Little uh, three little Pigskins. That was one of the first Three Stooges uh, episodes. Episodes. There were short films. I always forget there were short films. There were no episodes back then. There wasn't fucking TV in the 30s. Yeah. I always forget that. Like There wasn't TV in most people's homes until like the, like the fucking and 50s. These things were played in front of movies at movie theaters. There wasn't like TVs in a lot of houses until like what, the, the mid-50s? Like around then? I gotta look that up. But like it's, that's when people started getting more TVs. There were, it's weird to think about that. It really is when you think about it. It's like, yeah, when people were still listening to the radio for entertainment up until like the 50s. It's, it's really interesting. Yeah, that's that's all I have to say about that. That's all I got to say about it too. <laughs> you want to know what video games have 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 the the most potty mouse that play the Ian? I didn't, but I'm going to tell you, it's Rainbow Six Siege players are the most foul mouthed base. Wait, wait, wait! It just you went with the lead, and we didn't build up to it. We didn't. That's all right. We can work our way down though. Uh, it starts with so expletives per 15 minutes is how they figured this out. This is from what is this Buzz Bingo? They sat through more than 25 hours of Twitch streams and YouTube gaming broadcasts to discover the most foul-mouth player bases and the popular streamers that swear the most. Good for you, Buzz Bingo, which I haven't heard of you, but now I'm kind of proud that you've put yourself through this. It Thank you horrible. for doing the work that no one else wants I to thought to do. myself, well, maybe they use like machine learning and they just like got in the nope. They had an intern probably sit down and suffer through 25 hours. So... Uh, yeah, they re- they they broke it up into expletives per fifteen minutes and then run rate, which is the uh, expletives per hour. Rainbow Six is at the number one with one forty six per fifteen minutes. FIFA twenty one was at one thirty eight. COD Warzone at one twenty one. Halo Master Chief Collection one oh nine. I think it would be interesting to see that broken down by entry. Different all the different uh... the different entries okay. because I've I've tinkered with the MCC collection and I think. You play on. It's not like it's just you jump into online. It's 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 separated uh, per game. And then on the bottom of the list, I think is interesting. Forza Horizon Four. I mean, it's it's a you know, it's a racing game, right? So like, sure, you have a lot of concentration to curse at everyone while you're driving. It's like, no, probably not. 
you got to stay on the road there. I'm going to say this. Obviously, this is not a scientific methodology. No. You, you, for something like this, you'd probably have to go onto random, a bunch of random streams of multiplayer and literally use machine learning of every player playing and then count it up and then divide it out, you know? But it's interesting. The one that surprised me is League of Legends. I've never played it. I've always heard that it has a very toxic fan really? base. That's dis- disappointing. Always heard it has a very toxic fan base. Only 69 what the hell squares was that? per Oh minute. my god, that's my Comic-Con thing. Sorry. Yeah, that's alright. It's alright, Go on, Ian. So, no, that's all I was going to say. I'm very surprised that it only had 69 swears per 15 minutes. It's in the bottom three on this list. Nice. Yeah, nice. <laughs> nice indeed. You want to talk about cucks? Uh, cucks. You can go into cucks, Ian. Yeah, while you try to buy I think your... It's, I think it's cukes, but cucks sounds funnier. No, just... no, they've even they've oh. even advertised on it being called cucks, because the real cucks are the people who let the government control the media or something like that. Okay. This is just one of those... Uh, so this is a, an Indiegogo thing, I believe. Yes. Uh, it would have to be Indiegogo because no one knows what it does. Uh, it has raised nearly 172000 on crowdfunding, in crowdfunding, and no one's really sure what it does. Uh, they don't know if it's some sort of end-to-end encrypted video sharing network, or maybe it's just one of those crazy streaming boxes that purports to give you everything yeah. for free. Which I think it probably is, but it's clearly going after a right-wing market. They even say they are. And uh, knowing that you would pronounce it cucks, we went with the name because it also serves as a troll bait-and-switch. Uh, mm-hmm. That's always good for your, your, your product. You want to reach a mass audience. We want to troll a portion of the population. Yeah. That's good. This raised $172,000 on Indiegogo, which, of course, Indiegogo, you don't need a prototype of, a, of hardware to be yeah. on Indiegogo. So... Um, yeah, this is one of those things where they're like, hey, it's right-wing, you're going to love it, it's going to free you from the man. And uh, that's basically their advertising, but without anyone knowing what the fuck it does. So what was that What was that Liberty phone? What was that phone thing that, that, so, yeah, that claimed that like this that. is a, a secure phone and it was just a shitty off-the-shelf Android phone and they, they upcharged it to, what was it, hundreds of dollars for this shitty Slapped phone? Slapped a couple American flags on their marketing <laughs> and called it a like, goddamn day. And unfortunately, you can, you can get rubes easily with... with, with Talk like this. You can promote products and grift with with a political uh, slant. You can easily do that. Yes, and it, and it's and it's a fucking shame. And that shit does exist on the left too, but I don't see it in quite the amount as I see it on the right. <sighs> yeah, you don't. You there don't, are definitely left grifters. But. Oh, absolutely. But I think for these mass market products, I think it's easier. It's somewhat easier to consolidate the message into like, oh, well, you, you, the the world is after you. Well, this product will change that. Take this tech. And it's like. No. Want to own the liberals? Buy this pillow. Oh, oh, oh Lindell, that, that, that lunatic. That guy's fucking nuts, man. I'm surprised he didn't get arrested at the end of the last presidency just with how obsessed he was just showing up to the White House all day, every day. Like, I got to tell you something, Trump. Well, he's still got the lawsuit from the, uh, the, uh, the ballot counting, uh, the ballot machine. They're suing the, they're suing the hell out of him. You want to talk about Billy Mitchell? Uh, I don't really, but uh, we're going to have to here. Um, are, you, are you skipping this other one about the women? Uh, yeah, I didn't have any. I, I tried to look at it and I didn't really have so, a lot to say. Billy Mitchell uh, is, is officially, officially suing YouTuber uh, Carl Jobst. Officially suing. Uh, it was announced on Twitter. Um, we don't know where this is going to go. Obviously, they I, changed I, their Facebook status officially being sued. Well, because you can threaten, but once you actually submit something to a court, yes. you're not you're not sued. 
you know, you can you can legally threaten, and Pat's been legally threatened a, a couple of times in the past month. I'm going to get into one of them. Uh, but, you know, this goes back to the, the, the videos where Carl's talking about Billy Mitchell allegedly, you know, faking scores, uh, the back and forth with Twin Galaxies. And I think one of those lawsuits is still going on, I believe. And so, um, yeah, I, I know Carl probably has a, has a robust legal defense. He was probably has a contingency for this that that he was uh you know w- aware that this might happen and so I, I wish him all the best obviously that's the only thing I, that's the only thing i can say about it it's it's unfortunate that you have these people if you want to throw in grifting here and there these people that do uh potentially nefarious things and then when they get called out on doing nefarious or scandalous things their recourse then is to threaten a lawsuit or legal action. And that seems to be something that I've seen more and more of the past few years. You've accurately um, reported on what I'm doing. I'm claiming defamation. Yes. And why do I bring this up, Ian? I don't know. Because we did Might it, not have any real reason to bring it up, or maybe you do. Because we, we reported on something back in the middle of 2019 about a game preservationist who named Patrick Scott Patterson. World-renowned preservationist. Who had acquired, might have been donated to him. I forget the details. Some people said that might have been a donation. Um, the Akira Game Boy prototype. And there was that NES hockey game that were undumped games. They were not released anywhere. We originally reported, I think, on them being found. Yes. And then we didn't report upon them again until they were sold off on eBay to parts unknown, to people unknown, and we decried how that was a shame for game preservation and game history at large. Um, It was our worst fear, I think we said at the time, especially since it was found that it was done by a self-proclaimed game preservationist who did the exact opposite of what every other game preservationist out there does, which means to actually preserve the information so it's not lost. That's what a preservationist is. Yes. That's what they do. So we talked about it. And we said at the time, we hope this individual, you know, leaves the video game industry and goes off and does whatever the fuck they want to. They can just fuck off. And and, and they did. But it, it turns out that I guess it was festering that uh, our coverage of it and the coverage of others, because this person is not just, uh, we weren't the only people talking about it behind the scenes, other game preservationists and people that have been trying to uh, do this uh, have also had this individual on their radar for doing bad things. Um, so didn't hear anything about it until a few weeks ago. Uh, Patrick Scott Patterson tried to copyright strike that video from my channel. If you don't know what that means, a copyright strike is, uh, you know, basically it gets taken down and then you get a strike on your channel, uh, which is like a boo-boo. And if you get too many of those in a certain amount of time, your channel's wiped. Right. So it's, it's a pretty egregious step to take, especially over two years later, to do that. So uh, I have the option via YouTube to file a counterclaim. I filed a counterclaim. That gives that gives the per- person ten days to sue me, uh, to, to to basically not have it. That's basically YouTube stepping out of the way. They're, we're not arbitrating this. It's now a legal dispute. It's literally a legal dispute between two parties. So obviously there was no lawsuit served. If there was, I would have fought it because it would have been frivolous. It was a cl- it was claimed that it was um co- it was for copyright for using the images from the eBay auction. To talk about, we were talking about the auction or using it from social media. We had every right to use those images legally uh, 
via fair use. It was bullshit. It was an attempt to damage uh, us, really us, because Ian, Ian's part of the channel in terms of the podcast stuff. And it was weird to see it this far later. So um, Mr. Patterson sent an email after the fact saying that he um, retracted the claim. Didn't retract it. It wasn't going anywhere, and it ran out after like the 10 days or so. It was like, yeah. you get, like 10 business days, and it ran out. Um, so basically, I'm not going to go through this email point by point. I don't want to dump on this individual when I really should. But I- I'm going to say this. Um, when someone legally goes after me, for something I feel is totally, we, we had totally valid coverage. It was not defamation. It was actually the truth of what we knew at the time and things that were presented to us. Yeah. We went by the public information. We didn't know what was going on behind the scenes. I'm sure this was bid on by, you know, Frank Cifaldi's uh, Video Game History Foundation, NASA Video Game Museum uh, bid on it. There could have been other preservations, uh, uh, you know, bidding on it and driving up the price to line your pockets. That's the whole point. And it was what we talked about, about, People holding these for ransom, these games. This was the worst case scenario. This feeds into it being more difficult for games to be preserved because people like you can profit off of it and did profit off of it. And not only profit off it, you didn't have the decency to dump the ROM beforehand. And that's what the argument basically was. You want to make your money? Go make your fucking money, but you didn't even preserve the information on it. And if the, and if the National Video Games even does in fact have these games, that's good, but that doesn't mean that they shouldn't have been preserved before anyway, sure. if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense to me. This could have been won by some guy out in the middle of nowhere that has a bunch of stuff in a vault somewhere that you will never see the light of day, because there are collectors like that. We've seen it. Oh, there's plenty of them. We've seen, we've seen the, the, the SimCity NES uh, game was almost lost. That was almost well, lost. Well, just recently this past week, I think it was something like 70 Neo Geo Pocket Color prototypes were up for auction, and Video Game History Foundation did try to get a hold of those, but the bidding got too high, and someone got it, and frankly, uh, you know, they don't think they're ever going to see the light of day. We don't know, but it's becoming more and more common for these things to enter private collections. So I, I believe our coverage was absolutely valid at the time. You may not have liked it out there, uh, Mr. Patterson. But that's because you did something in our eyes that was very scummy. And so I will not be bullied or threatened, and I, I believe I speak for Ian as well, from talking about valid things. Oh, sure. Yeah. Talking about valid things where we call out scumbag behavior and things that we think uh, hurt the uh, gaming community at large or just hurt individuals or just or, or calling out bad actors. That's not worth Go go ahead and fucking sue me. Serve the fucking lawsuit. Soive it. That's all I'm going to say about that. It's it's it was absolutely ridiculous. And I'll get to the other person that legally threatened me uh, in due time within the past. Uh, that was like six seven weeks. I'm going to get to the other person in time. Oh, that little fucking muppet. <clears throat> yeah, we're going to get to that as well because this, for some reason people are getting thrown around th- illegal threats like willy-nilly and it's like that's not going to protect you from from uh being discussed uh people like carl obviously don't have i mean when carl did his uh video going after uh wad and heritage auctions that see that's balls because they that those are those are corporations have a lot of money and they could go, go after you if they want to you know so you you need people out there 
I'm not, not saying I'm a fucking warrior or whatever, but you need people that were willing to at least put a little bit of risk to talk about this stuff. Because if not, people get away with bad things. That's it. Yeah. Like not really being a preservationist. Just using a, you know, name, using a, a and, buzzword. And then in terms of uh, I don't have to reach out to anyone for any fucking comment or information before I talk about something on a podcast. I'm fucking tired of that fucking line being thrown out. Yeah, it's not a news article. You know, but even if it is news, I am not legally required to, to get anyone's fucking comments or distortion about anything I discuss. I'm not. You might think it's bad form. I'm not Herm Burford from Out of Control News. I don't have my little news hat on. I don't work for you know an accredited fucking uh, company or newspaper. And if you don't like that and you think we should, well then you know you don't you don't have to listen to us. That's all I'm gonna say. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. So, speaking of people. Speaking of people? Speaking of people. Because that's really what this Amico has come down to. The Amico has become the... Can we sell Tommy Tallarico to the masses system? It is less about the system. It is more about Tommy, and it has been for... That's how it was always. Yes, but I think people are really starting to realize that. Anyways, Kotaku came out with an article uh, by Zach Zweizen, the new gaming console that's become a giant car crash to explain. Explained, good article, very kind of high-level overview, um, does a good job at recapping, I would have. I, I'd really like to see people look into the funding, uh, particularly the fund, fundable is the most recent one, right? I can't even keep track of this shit anymore. Fundable is the most fundable. Recent. Yeah, it started with Figs, then it went to the Republic, which is also the same company. Now it's fundable. It's like the third round of it. But if somehow you still haven't heard about the Intellivision Amico and the weirdness that's going on with it, um, this article is a great place to jump in. Then you can jump into the Ars Technica article from a couple months ago mm-hmm. to get a little bit more information. And then if you want the nitty-gritty, you can go back and listen to Pat and I talk about uh, the Amico ad nauseum. Um, so, yeah, this goes through and simply talks about, um, you know, uh, the three delays, uh, it talks about how Tommy being the spokesperson for the system is not likely the best choice since he gets fiery and argues with anyone who has even the least bit of criticism about his system. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think one of the more interesting things about this article is that it started unlocking uh, stories from Tommy's past. People yeah. started looking, uh, people started taking to the comments section, and uh, this this happened even a little bit with the Ars Technica article. Um, but I think people are starting to pay more attention now. The, the more it gets into the public, more people are looking at Tommy and stories of working with Tommy in the past are starting to come out and they're not particularly great. Yeah, real quick. I believe that this article is a great overview from like it, it, it pretty much sums up uh, most of the stuff we've covered the past, uh, Jesus Christ, three years on, on this project at this point. And gives you, like, this is a primer. This is, like, you can show this link to anyone. Grandma can read this. 
or, or little Susie down the street. It's like, oh, you know, I wanna, I'm, I'm little Susie. I want to learn about the, uh, the, the, the Amico and where it's been and where it's going. You can read this article. Whether or not you agree with Kotaku's, you know, stances on stuff, or what, this is a well put together article, in my opinion. Covers all the all the nuts and bolts. Sure, it doesn't give you, you know, it doesn't go through everything, but it even has some of the Jay Allard stuff in here that we've talked about. Talks about even stuff that you know that Ian brought up, like how the the updated 2021 trailer was the exact same trailer just about as the, ni- the 2019 trailer. There was like no new gameplay for most of the games, and what does that mean? But I didn't want to ever talk about a lot of Tommy's personal behavior because obviously he sunk low enough to try to personally attack us since almost the beginning, our personal appearance and making Just up a stories. a reminder about, that that's yeah. why this took off the way it did. Absolutely. I saw somewhere a pretty good uh, summary of how like the whole thing went as like a, a, a mock conversation between two people. It was like, hey, have you heard about this Amico? Huh, no, don't think it's got a whole lot of, you know, capabilities, but uh, I guess it'll be interesting to watch. Mm-hmm. Tommy complains, you know, there's more information. And basically, it's just like, we're like, no, no, okay, this is weird. Like, he's overreacting to the things we've said. And then finally, it's like, oh, now he's making it personal. Like, it, yes, it, that's, he, that's he made happened. it personal. <laughs> he made it personal. And and you can say, well, you guys got to buy us. And it's like, okay, it's, what we're saying is still absolutely true. So, like, we would not lie about stuff. Even if we had a bias, we'd be like, okay, well, it's coming out. If, if the Amigo came out by now and sold a million of them, I'd say, you know what, Ian? We were wrong. Tommy's a douchebag, but we were wrong. There was a market for this console. Yeah. Well, we, we couldn't lie at that point. But it is what it is. So, um, do you want to go through some of these stories in here? You can go ahead. You can start on that. Okay, I was trying to get my Comic-Con tickets. Uh, <laughs> here. So... It's interesting because, like I said, I have been told a lot of stories about Tommy Tallarico, and we never talk about this stuff. Even while Tommy says, like, well, Pat, you, you lost friends because of your Amico coverage. Like, I have not met one of those friends that I've lost, or else they're not telling me they're not my friends when I talk to them on the phone. Unless, unless Ian secretly is not my friend anymore. Ian, are you still my friend? Yeah. <laughs> that, wasn't, that wasn't convincing <laughs> to me, I don't think. If I wasn't your friend, it certainly wasn't over the Intellivision Amico. Oh. Okay, no, uh-oh, this is a rift. So this is, this is from uh, Bass Beast. Let me tell you a story of Tommy Tallarico. It's E3 2003. I'm at Universal Studios for a performance of More Friends Final Fantasy. My wife was big shot with Ziff Davis back in the day, rest in peace, so Square sent her a couple of plum tickets for the show. We get there, and this incredibly short man taps me on the shoulder. I'm 6'4", for reference. He barely reached my shoulders. It's Mr. Tallarico. In the rudest possible voice says, hey, buddy, you're in my seat. I triple-checked my ticket and showed it to him. Sorry, Mr. Tallarico, but this is my seat. He lost it. What bullshit is this? How the fuck am I supposed to see anything over your giant fucking head? Who are you anyway? You're not important enough to sit here. I pointed at my wife. I may not be, but she is, so I am. He walked off muttering. I'm pretty sure I heard the word, the C word in there, in reference to my wife. I didn't want to get any blood on the aisle. Moral of the story, fuck Tommy Tallarico, the short asshole who's also a tiny man. So I had heard stories from people I know about some behavior of Tommy at certain events, basically big time behavior, like stuff like being at MAGFest and like walking to the X. You know, usually at convention you have one door for the X. Yeah. He'll walk to, to the, the wrong door. And basically go to the guy, you know, do you know who I am to get through? It's like, dude, just walk to the proper exit. Don't, you know, don't fuck with the volunteer, you know. So you're not surprised you see this sort of behavior. But 
I, I guess once you see this coverage come out, it, it emboldens people to share their stories, you know? Yeah. Um, we got a guy, uh, he said that he worked, his ex, his ex-wife's sister worked for the concert hall in the city where video games live was playing. Uh, they were in a bit of a pinch Two of the volunteer drivers had called in. So they needed someone to fill in, to pick up people from the hotel and take them to the airport the morning after the show. I offered to help her out because why not? Got my car washed and detailed just to make sure I was making a good impression. Got there on time and I got Tommy. He sneered when he saw my car, tossed his luggage into the trunk, got in. And as I entered my car, all he said was, don't fucking talk. So I drove him in silence to the airport. Nice guy. Wow. And we'll do the one more here. Uh, I worked at, at, with him once as a volunteer. When Video Games Live came to my hometown. The opening to the show involved the cosplay contest where some willing participants would come on stage and cosplay, and, and we let the audience cheer for, for the costume they liked best. The winner got something. Don't remember. Anyway, the setup ran a little behind schedule, and two of the cosplayers had some last-minute wardrobe malfunctions they were taking care of. Mr. Tallarigo got increasingly annoyed and, and kept barking at us to get those losers out there so we can start the show. And one time I walked by him, I, I overheard him talking to someone about being in quotes, sick of these autistic losers always holding up his show. Whew. The show eventually went off without a hitch, and afterwards Tommy decided to reward, reward the volunteers by gracing up us with his company while we ate some takeout after the show. Well, uh, he's gone after my anxiety and shit before, so it's yes. obvious that, I mean, he, yes. he does not like people. He doesn't like people, or, or if you have any sort of, uh, you know, th- things... He'll attack you for him. I told him I liked his choice in the games represented at the show, and he asked me if I could add if I if I could add anything. What would it be? Naturally, I suggested that I'd love to see the show one day include something from Undertale. He scoffed, mentioned that they only play songs from in quotes real games, and then stopped talking to me. Needless to say, the man is permanently that man is permanently pretty permanently on my shit list. And there's there's like more, like so. Yeah. Real games, Undertale, the game that is going to be far more recognized and popular than the Amico ever will be. So this isn't just to personally attack someone who personally has attacked us and others who are critical of the system, but it shows you the mindset of, of someone and why the person with that mindset is running a company, a startup, into the fucking ground. You, that is not the type of personality of someone who can successfully run a company like this, where you not just need goodwill... Uh, if you want to say influencers or people, but you need to have a positive public reception even to have a chance of a product that's already going to be extremely niche and will have difficulty even finding its audience. Now you're going to have a lot of people that won't give it a chance because of the head of the company personally treats people like garbage. Well, and it also shows, yeah, exactly that. He treats people like garbage and he treats them like cogs in a machine. Cogs in a machine is a good way to describe all those smaller YouTubers that Tommy associated with and exploited. Like that's pretty much what happened. Yeah, he used you for to to keep this string along as much as he can. He used you to to get you all strung together for uh, videos to be used for investors and to put in emails and to show, hey, look, all these people are talking. That's all you were to him. That's it. That's it. Means to an end. And unfortunately, a lot of them ran with that and made a dedicated. I got to turn this off. Fuck this thing because it's not working anyway. Um. A, a lot that was my Comic Con uh, waiting room to get fucking tickets. Um, a lot of you transform your channels into a, basically a corporate mouthpiece for Tommy, and threw away your integrity in the process. Unfortunately, whatever integrity you could have had as a smaller YouTuber channel 
It's unfortunate. I kind of feel bad, but you should have saw it coming and you were warned. So you know what I mean? So I don't know what to say about that. Honestly, I think a lot of them, if they really wanted to go on and do other stuff, they probably could because they're small channels. And I'm not even saying that as an insult. They're just they're small channels. Sure. They can move beyond this if they want to. But, but if this you is a lesson to be learned, it's a huge lesson, because if it shows you have that bad judgment for that situation, you don't have any proper judgment for other things that come along. That's all. But this isn't just a harp on personal stories tale. Um, we like talking about open positions at startup video game companies because it, it, it can tell you the health of the company and where the potential product is at. We famously talked about we 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 didn't go out on a huge limb, but like June of last year, we said there's no way this is coming out in October because there were like three important positions opening. Like uh, there was like full full stack software dev uh, position. There was a firmware a fucking firm. They're looking for firmware and people to make the system run. That was as a quote from the job listings. Like I said, we need someone to work on the OS and stuff to make the system run. And we were called out for it. We were crazy. It's definitely going to come out in October of 2020. No, we're no, we're looking for people to work on accessories for the Amiga. Yeah, Tommy said it's his accessories. Those fucking idiot podcasters, they don't know what they're talking about. We're working on accessories for 2021. Yeah, that's it was accessories. So in the past week, there have been two new positions that have come up. This is uh, via Indeed.com. Uh, the first one, I don't have a huge amount to say about it. Game console QA analyst. Honestly, that to me seems like something that probably would come up as they get closer to finalizing something. Before production? Before production, I mean, QA, they need someone to go through and test and run the hardware through its paces and make sure that it's doing what it's supposed to do. So if this was going to come out in October, this should have been filled by like January or so or like way earlier in the year. Is anyone still hanging on um, to the notion that th- they're going to have this in their hands by c- Christmas? No, it's not. So the QA analyst is... I mean, it never was, but I mean, there I are people who, who, no. who, who no. dearly believed that. No, they, they, got, they got to get out of, out, of, out of the cult, basically. It's not happening. Um, so the QA analyst thing, forty to 60000 a year, that's a very low, 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 low um, salary for a job like this, especially when you see the, the, the experience you need to have this. No one's going to fill this position easily for a, for a, you know, a full-time job. So uh, you're going to do end-to-end testing on the Intellivision Amico games and console, hardware, firmware, OS controllers. They still don't have a person to do this, and this, this is supposed to come out. Well, it's supposed to come out. A, well, it's supposed to come out a year ago. So ready. Like, they were on the this, launch. This pad. job listing should have been 2019, probably. Um, test case, suite creation and maintenance, automated test framework creation in concert with the rest of the team, and blah blah blah. So that's an interesting one. But then you have the. Uh, then you have the OS middleware slash software engineer. Yeah, I think that's the more interesting one, frankly. So that one, so that one, uh, basically, I have been told by someone smarter than I that that is basically the person that you need to develop your web store and do the infrastructure, communication. everything that's going to make this tick because keep in mind there's no real physical media (laughs) there's no physical media the physical media is just it's another way to access the online media everything is going to revolve around this web store and how it serves up files yeah and 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 and, you know updates to games probably and firmware updates to your console that's probably part of this we always talked about that you know, you're seeing this being shown off. Uh, where's the, the web store? Can can he show the web store? Connect to it? Can it's he? It's one thing to see the system know? with a game preloaded on it. It's another thing to actually um, see the ecosystem working as intended. Yes. Can we? Where we, we, we said like, is, is there ever been a fully functional Amico? 
has there been one where that version is the version that I buy and ended up in my hands that I set up my TV? Is there a consumer version ready? And no, obviously not. Fully functioning Amica does not mean demos running on a yeah on a, on, a, on a shell. No, that doesn't that, it doesn't mean on, on on your on your cell phone board equivalent. That's that's fine. You got something booting up. That's great. You're you're running you're running basically an Android game. You've got that's progress. Fine. But like, if you put that in a consumer's hand, would that be acceptable or not? No. Would that be the two hundred fifty dollar to three hundred dollar investment? No. So this is what this OS middleware software engineer is going to be doing. Write middleware that will run on a custom embedded Android system. Write documentation for other developers to use the software. You think you would have had that already for the, for the other game devs? Write test code to verify software is running properly. Must wear multiple hats, hats and be able to do different tasks if required. So again, they're not, they're not just a year behind. I think we're being generous. They're two years behind, I believe, schedule. Probably closer to two when it comes to this stuff. I mean, yeah, depending on how you look at it, you can uh, say that. Because yeah. this should have been, yeah, these should have been positions they were filling a year before their initial launch date last year, if they were really on the launch pad. On the launch pad, the rocket fuel, whatever he said in that sleazy Neil Patel video, we're ready to go. And it's like, no, you were not ready to go. You never were. And this is being strung along now. Can't hear the word launch pad, by the way, without thinking of that strong jawed duck from DuckTales. I used to love the, the DuckTales side characters even more than you know, Scrooge, I hate they to say. They were great. Gizmo Duck was fantastic. So, yeah. or anything else to add here? I mean, like... No, I, I don't. Uh, I mean, I'm just repeating myself on this guy, but here we go. Uh, it, basically, the big thing is, uh, what, 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 what's the takeaway from today? Job position's not filled. Uh, shitty wow. attitude from that guy. Deja vu. The and... job, job position's not filled. It's like every every summer, it's still technically summer, the, the 21st, every summer we find out, shockingly, there's job positions well, not being filled. When you click that link, I didn't want to bring it up just in case it was one of those instances where they just didn't take something down after getting it filled. Uh, but if you click the link, Intellivision Entertainment Jobs says four jobs at Intellivision Entertainment are available, including the uh, full-stack software developer that we talked about last year, and the other full-stack software developer. Both of those are still up there with easily apply well, underneath. Well, there was a full-stack one last year. There was also was a firmware. Oh, oh, I see. They did one for each location. They want, they're searching for one in Salt Lake City oh, and, and one, one in Santa, Santa Ana. Ana. So last year, there was definitely there was three positions. One was a firmware engineer. One was a software developer. It looks like this position. And there was a third one. I forget. It was a QA thing last summer. Uh, and the firmware one was the most damning one because it said you needed to write code to make the system run. That was yeah. in the description. Right. We weren't making that up. Uh, but if they're saying they still need a full-stack software developer this far in, either they lost the last person or the person they hired, I guess, couldn't get the job done. Either way, that's Or they didn't vote. take it down, but it still doesn't look good. And here's what I'm going to say about the salaries here real quick because uh, I, I talked to someone about the salaries. These are um, not super competitive salaries for, for, for the position experience that they need. 85 to 110 for Southern California for a full-stack software dev is, is not a good salary. And maybe they're not offering enough, potentially, to, to, to get the talent they need for this. Maybe. I don't know. They want to go cheap on these super important positions that will – that you know, if you don't have these positions filled by someone competent, you're, you don't have a product. That's why we said, like, you'd almost rather go into making cars – than making a video game console. Yeah. I mean, it just sounds like the worst possible thing because any little, one little thing can screw up everything else. Right, right. When it comes to it. So, all right. So I guess we'll, uh, we'll see. We'll check back in uh, when these positions are potentially filled or, you know, we'll get more information on that. Let's see if anything else to add. 
No, no, that's that's enough. I think this portion of the CU podcast is sponsored by Geology. If you grew up with the old NES games that are blowing dust off a cartridge, it might be time to start thinking about your skincare. And Geology is a simple skincare routine formulated for daily use. It's for both individuals new to skincare and seasoned skincare experts. Geology is personalized for your skin and the benefits you want to see. It's great for individuals with sensitive skin, acne, dark eye circles like I have, or wrinkles. So you think to yourself, boy, Pat and Ian are looking radiant. How can I get in on this? (laughs) Go to Geology and take a 30-second diagnostic quiz, and they formulate a regimen that provides benefits your skin needs the most. They can reduce dark and puffy eyes, fight acne and keep oily skin under control, protect your skin and reduce fine lines and wrinkles. You start with a complete trial set. They send you four items. You get everyday face wash, two tubes of it. You get vital morning face cream, repairing night cream, and nourishing eye cream. And you can continue with 90-day supplies of the products you love most. Subscribe and save or go a la carte. You're in control with what you get from Geology. They have exceptional customer service. They guarantee that you will love Geology and can help you at every step of the way to achieve your goals. People will notice the results and you'll love the easy routine. Compliments from your friends, family, co-workers. Look younger. And feel fresh every day. Ian, you've been looking fantastic the Thank past you. month. I, I try. You're looking a lot smoother, glowing. Glowing. Geology has over 3,000 five-star customer reviews with an average customer rating of 4.7 out of 5. Pretty good. They've been recognized by Men's Health, Esquire, and Ask Men 2019 Grooming Awards. All right. Head to geology.com and take their free skincare quiz to save up to 40% off your 30-day trial. Or just click the link below if you're on YouTube. That's geology.com. G-E-O-L-O-G-I-E to save 40% off your 30-day trial. And you'll look look better. you look like Ian. Maybe like Pat. Go do it. Uh, Ian, yeah. golden auctions. We, we always talk about golden auctions in the past. We always talk about how much we love you know, old oil paintings and watercolors. We always bid on them. No, but they're an auction house. <laughs> That's done like baseball card stuff. They've done, uh, I believe they're based out of New Jersey. Um they have gotten into video games auctioning. They did did their first video game auction. They sure did. And why is that important? Wowie it's imp- zowie. It's important because you know we're still we're we're about only three years into this 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 graded game craze. So it's only the past really year and a half. It's really it's heated wild, up. Crazy. But Golden auctions is under the same umbrella though as I believe uh, CGC, who just announced they're going to get into. Um, video game grading. So, you, so, so you basically have two competing companies now. Uh, you have one, you have WADA and Heritage Auctions under the same umbrella. Basically. Uh, and then you have Golden Auctions with potentially CGC at, at the same time. You know, you have, you have these connections of those these companies. So you want to talk about some of the you know the results that came up? Yeah, here? we can do that. We we with the search for this, it's not as easily clickable. But um, so these these are interesting results to watch coming off of the one point five million dollar uh, Mario sixty four. I think those are the results that we were most interested in. And sure enough, as we had pretty much stated, um, you're not repeating that one point five million dollar sale. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a 1996 N64 Super Mario 64 sealed video game, WADA 9.8 A++. That is the, correct me if I'm wrong, exact same ranking as uh, uh, grade as the one that went for... 
Oh yeah, the, the nine point eight. Yeah, that went for one point five million. Only came up to only. I say it's still crazy, but yeah, yes. it's still insane. Eight hundred seven hundred ninety nine thousand five hundred. So eight hundred k. Um, that's just half. that's just over half. Uh, obviously, that all includes the, whatever the buyer's premiums. Yes, that's just over half of what was paid for the one a couple months ago. Person who bought that is probably not too happy. The person that bought the one point five. Yeah. Okay, so this is only two months. After the Mario 64 that made super headlines and was so outrageous, truly, truly, truly outrageous, that even Heritage Auctions was like, we can't explain it. They, yeah, we they don't even, understand this. We don't understand that. They couldn't explain how the most common N64 game that they sold, combining uh, regions over 10 million of them, it came out when the system came out. Most people who had N64 had this game. How that game could go for 1.5 million uh, fresh, unopened copy or not, it made no sense for a dirt common game to do that. Yes. And that's what started people to look into this further. People like Carl Jobs and, and people like Seth Abramson was like, this doesn't make any sense. We, I mean, for us, it always we always said this doesn't make any sense. But that really exploded it into the, uh, the, 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 the nadir. Is that the word? Maybe. Is that the proper word? So, Ian, what's the game that you brought up as a, as a prophecy about... about uh, Spider-Man's always been the go-to. And, and why? Remember, tell us a tale of Spider-Man real quick, Ian. So Spider-Man on the Atari 2600, uh, when around the time that this sort of like uh, the water-graded stuff went uh, got big and the uh, heritage auction started happening, uh, Spider-Man, what, what was the first price that the first one went for? Like, like 9,000, like 9,800, 9, between nine and 10,000. It went for a lot. And I posited at the time that it probably went for part of the reason it went for that was probably people coming from other other areas of collecting with no knowledge no of, knowledge of video games. saw a Spider-Man thing and said okay this has cross this has this has cross genre appeal it's essentially a, it's the first video game with Spider-Man it's a video game and it's the, Spider-Man the first comic book with Spider-Man is worth a ton of money we're going to we're going to spend a lot on this they did and then every month after that or every auction after that more and more of these 9.8 Spider-Man's started uh, getting auctioned, and we just watched over time the price drop and drop and drop until I think the last one went for I think one again. Correct me if up. I'm wrong. I think one went for under a thousand dollars. Yeah, I think it went for like nine eighty uh, or something. It more went from nine, it, dro- it, it 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 dropped in value nine times. More importantly, or just as importantly as that, the second one that came up within a month went for less than half. <laughs> Of the first one, and we commented on that. Went for half. This is why I always say I think you know my issue with this is is I think slight, my issues with this is slightly different than I think other people's issues with it. But my big thing is you need population reports in games to truly be able to judge the rarity and the value of them. Because look at this: when it's the only one that people know of, it's worth one point five million dollars. Mm-hmm. When it's the second one people know of, it's worth how do you price it? Half. And then that, and then the the golden auctions thing is even crazier because there is a VG, VGA graded, um, ninety five gold VGA graded Mario sixty four. Which I don't know a whole lot about grading. People say that comparatively it would be close to it, but that's like me, that's like the highest grade that VGA gives stuff. So it would basically be the same as a nine point eight A plus plus, or as close as you would want water. to get if you cracked it open and got it graded. This also shows so that one only went for only again, it's still kind of crazy. 
Uh, I'm having a tough time pulling it up. It's it's under three three hundred k. Yeah, it's under three hundred k. So what so what does that tell you? It really tells you that obviously this has nothing to do with the game itself. These no. aren't collectors. This is all speculation. But not just that. The speculation has to be a wadded game in particular. Two hundred forty thousand. Search for sealed, Ian, and they all come up. If you I did. Okay. I did. I just. I wasn't. It, okay. It's further down. I wasn't seeing it. So two hundred forty thousand with with the twenty percent. So that is doing the pat math from one point five to two forty. That is was at one sixth, one seventh of the price of one that just went two months ago. So that's even worse than one going for one half. Went for one seventh, somewhere in that region. One sixth of that. None of this makes sense. I mean, you said the time, it doesn't make sense. If you had population reports, both through VGA and WADA at this point, someone could have made an informed decision when bidding, saying, you know what, Ian? Wow, there's like maybe 10 to 20 of these in this similar grade. I don't think it's worth that much. And guess what happens when people have information? They make informed decisions, and they won't spend and lose their ass as they are in investments like this. Right. If you were that person, I kind of feel bad, even though you're probably well off enough that you can spend it. But still, I don't like people getting taken for a ride. I feel like the people who uh, that's part of the reasons where I I start where I start to lose interest. The people who are doing this are largely people who have the money to do it. But yes, I always fear that there's going to be someone who decides this is their make it big thing and puts all their money into it and realizes. And people get caught up in scams all the time with like you know Bernie Madoff and stock scams, and it's like. Just because you have a lot of money and you lose a lot of money doesn't mean it's not a bad thing. I'm not one of those people that say, oh, they're rich. Who cares? I'm not. Sorry. But um, that person that two months ago spent $1.5 million on that Super Mario 64, you just lost at least several hundred thousand dollars in two months on your investment. You might have lost more than a million or more because now when the next one comes out, do you think it's going to be above or below this one that went for uh, 800000 I think it'll be below that. I think it's going to follow similar trends. Yes. Because the, it's going to end up in a place uh, I think that is still very, very high for what it is, but it's going to be much lower than that $1.5 I don't know. I don't know how, how this happens over time. I don't know. I've never, there's never been a market like this, I think, below that's exploded out of control this quickly. And what happens when you get five or ten more of these over the next year or so? Because remember, like we don't know how many of the, these are in have already been graded. We don't know how many are sitting in Heritage, uh, excuse me, in, in Wada's, you know, warehouse waiting to be graded. We have no idea the people that are seeing this news that have a copy laying around or a factory case. I'm going to cash out. So when you see a rush of this happen, I mean, if you say, "Hey, maybe it goes all the way down to thirty grand." Or twenty grand, or fifteen grand, or ten, and that's still insane for a game that's super common. That you can find graded ones, you can find sealed ones all the time on eBay. You can find various sealed ones. One, a, a beautiful one, went for fifteen grand. That I uh, maybe said, maybe this is the one that ended up being selling for one point five million. I don't know, but it looked beautiful uh, back. Was I think it was April it sold on eBay. The point is, is that these speculators are fl- absolutely flying blind. It's 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 a, it's it's a, it's worse than a crapshoot because uh, with a crapshoot you know the odds. I don't know what the odds are with more of these coming out, but more are going to come out. 
Right. Can you imagine you just spent the $1.5 million, You got taken in with all this. I don't know what happened here. Uh, we still don't know, the, I guess, the idea. It's been a confirmed sale, that one5 We don't know who it is. We don't know if it was like a, a, a fucking investment app. But either way, you lost a ton of money. Like you, just, yeah. you lost a shitload of money. You be, and if you try to sell that again this quickly, that copy, because we'll know which one it is because they are all uh, you know, have a serial number, then we really know it's, this is a, a bubble that popped. Because, wow, this person knows that they have no confidence is coming back. They're going to try to, uh, you know, cut their losses and maybe all, maybe only lose a million dollars instead of all 1.5. Woo! This is how this stuff starts. Right. It start. It shouldn't. You shouldn't be. Wow! It went for eight hundred thousand. You should be alarmed that it didn't go for the one point five or more. That's the thing. And I know there's probably a lot of people that probably said, "Well, Ian, the one point five million. We're off to the races. We're going to see a five million dollar game within a couple of years." I'm pretty sure a lot of people probably thought that this is going to go up and up. For it can only go up. You always see that in some of those articles. Past these can only go up and up in value. They can't lose money. Well, they've lost a ton of ones lost eight hundred thousand dollars, close to eight hundred thousand dollars, seven hundred fifty thousand. One just lost. Yeah. Does that give you confidence in the the market at large? It's it reminds me of the NFT shit, and I, I've been trying to find a way to phrase it that I can't. But the what's the word? The energy in this is resulting in prices that you normally end with, not start with. I don't know of anyone who's buying NFTs or these $1.5 million Mario 64s. These people, I, I cannot imagine people thinking that this is going to turn around for more money in the future. You're paying, you're like, does that make any sense? You're paying the end price up front. Yeah, it's not normally, like... And I guess that, that goes back to saying that it's jumped up in price just unnaturally quick. Sure. It skipped all this middle ground where people usually get in before it hits that 1.5 million. Meaning you get to that 1.5 million and then all of a sudden you just see a bunch of lower sales. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, maybe we get another one like that, but I don't see this magically rebounding to $1.5 million status with the next copy that gets auctioned. I think what's going to happen is this is going to be a hard education for these speculators. Sure. It's going to be a hard education. Because, again, and I think we're, we were, we're proven right. We always said that there's like, what, 100 to 200 people that are buying this shit. It's not, you don't have all these people with tons of money to get into this. Uh, to try to, but you, you're going to find out that you're going to be attracting. You've attracted some people. You've attracted the investment apps. Good for you. You've attracted enough people to do this. But being that it hasn't been a natural attraction, it's been a huge FOMO, almost meme stock thing. It fizzles out. I mean, this is Beanie Baby territory stuff. Sure. Where it goes from, oh, this is a fucking plush worth $3. Now it's going for 1000 Why? Because all these maniacs got into it that quickly. It's the exact same thing. It's the exact same sort of mindset. This has been built over years and years and years or decades to the established point where you had, like, say, if say, 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 sealed game was always a, a sealed uh, collecting was always a big thing. Say you were selling them at Luna. You know, 15 years ago. And it was a constant thing, constant customers. And then conventions always had these people that were buying them. And it was like, it wasn't like a niche thing with only like one, 2% of collectors. It was like 90%. You, you can make the case that, well, it's always been there. There's always been these people that are into it. And now it's being transferred. This has been, this has been totally manufactured. And the fact that you have people on re- record, like the dentists saying, uh, yeah, I didn't collect games until this past year, and I went out to my fucking neighbors and rich friends and got money to make an LLC uh, to invest in these games. That's not a natural collector 
sort of growth of a market. That's pumping money in to attract other people to pump money. That's all it is. It's a money pump scheme. That's all it is. And I'm glad people are finally becoming aware to it. Uh, any other one of these, you want to comment on this? I think uh, someone that, uh, that used to work at Team Sega commented on the crazy Sonic the Hedgehog thing. This Not little, just someone who uh, worked at Team Sega, Pat. Uh, Yuji fucking Naka. Okay. I'm not familiar with the name. I'm just going to let the comments have a field day what? with that one I'm for not you. a Sonic guy. Jesus Christ. You're a video game guy, Pat. Um, I, I pointed out the tweet. Uh, yeah, he made a t- he just made a tweet because uh, there was a sealed Sega, a sealed Sonic the Hedgehog that went for four hundred something, four thirty. Yeah, and 1, his uh, comment was simply, uh, "What is this? What is what is this? <laughs> what is this?" All right, come on, tell me who it is, Ian. Come on, I'm looking for Yuji Naka, the fucking father of Sonic. Oh, he okay. He was the father of Sonic. Okay. <sighs> Sometimes I pretend not to know these things, but it's something I didn't know. I like to see you get agitated. Mm-hmm. So this is what I'm going to say about sealed Genesis games. Those seals were rough. As crazy, as crazy as seal collecting is for NES games, I sort of at least understand it because those boxes are easily damaged and it's cardboard and it's flimsy. Genesis games and Masters games are hard plastic. The, the cover art and back art is inserted in a slip that unless you really want to, you're not going to be damaging that paper, really. Unless you really want to get in there and it's protected by a piece of plastic over it. So it's almost like Genesis games have their own inherent, I guess, seal to them. If you want to say that, they're protected. You know what I mean? Like, it's very, I mean, you can find Genesis games that are beat up, but for the most part, they're okay. I get it, but people aren't buying it for that reason. They're buying it because it's untouched. That's but that's the point though. It's even crazier because the seal over a Genesis game, it's like almost like you didn't really need it. it it's it's over the, the the you know the the hang tab, and it's it's even less of an appeal. You can say so. It's even what I'm saying is it's even dumber. It's somehow even dumber than the seal over a cardboard box. That's what I'm trying to say. It's even dumber. It's like the seal over a CD case. Sure. My other thing is that if I uh, recall correctly, and I could be wrong, but I remember the seals on Genesis games have uh, being crappy. But the whole point is they're even dumber because the the, the item is more protected. Like it's like a Dreamcast game sealed. Like, is that really that much better than just having a Dreamcast game? I think that's just a position, a point, though, where you're misunderstanding why these collectors do it. No, no, I'm not. You have to understand. I'm, I'm trying to rationalize an irrationality. I'm trying to rationalize the behavior of something that's even. You know what I mean? It's like you're literally paying. Because you can find Sonic games that are probably in really good shape, you know, like that are just opened. Like, it's like, oh, it's just a piece of pla- it's plastic. It's like, oh, I, I, guess, I guess, okay, it's worn a little bit from, from opening it up a few times. But to pay $430,000 for a crappy seal that, like, I've never known sealed Genesis and Master games to even go for any amount of money because no one fucking ever cared. Like back when I yeah, you don't really seal you don't um, really ever see a sealed Genesis game. The same way like sealed Dreamcast games never was like a huge premium. It's like who cares? Um, There was never even in the market like this big uh, value play. When I used to uh, complete the Sega Master System stuff, uh, I got a few of those games. I think I have a sealed uh, I have a sealed Altered Beast for Master System. It was like not much more than getting an Altered Beast. 
her, it was like it was like in the same neighborhood. So it was like, who cares? I've bought you know? two or three PC Engine games factory sealed because they were ten dollars more than yeah. a non factory sealed copy, and I felt like, hey, it'll be fun to take the seal off. So that's what I mean. It's even crazier. And by the way, this wasn't like a nine point eight. It was like a nine point four. So it's like, I mean, maybe there's not a nine point eight Sonic, but like it's it's just again, it's jumping into well, it's Sonic. Let's let's throw this money in just in case this becomes ten million dollars over the next few years. Like right. that's the mentality. This isn't a collect. This is. I, please tell me the collectors that are spending this amount of money on this. Please, please tell me the collectors that wouldn't be satisfied with a twenty five dollar regular Sonic the Hedgehog on Genesis. Maybe it's worth fifty by now. A fifty dollar version of Sonic the Hedgehog versus four hundred thirty thousand. You are that much of a collector. You're throwing away that much money. You can go to Luna Video Games right now, and if they have one, uh, get a very nice, complete copy of Sonic the Hedgehog for $20 with the manual. There you go. Does that satisfy your itch for Sonic? And there's other ones. The other crazy one was that great, great port of Mortal Kombat on Super Nintendo. You know how we always talk about today. That was one of the best arcade ports ever, Ian. Uh, $80,000, $79,000. For which one? For the Super Nintendo Mortal Kombat. I'm oh, being yeah. facetious, Ian. Great. I, I, yeah, no, I, I knew you were, but I didn't know oh. if you, the only other one I bring up in that way is uh, Final Fight, which I, I think is fucking dog shit. I absolutely hate the Super Nintendo Final Fight. We, we were purists, but um, $79,000 for Mortal Kombat, a 9.8 that was probably pulled from a carton that like, are you are you, like, are you crazy? Are you crazy? There's no his, historical significance to Mortal Kombat at all on the Super Nintendo. The only significance was how bad it was and how it it kind of forced Nintendo to change their policy. You can That's make the it. argument that it forced but, Nintendo to change their policy, but I think if you're going to get a sealed copy of Mortal Kombat, you go with a Genesis copy. Or you don't get one. Like That's the thing. One. Or you get, you get the arcade cabin since that was the first time people played it. But you can't really easily speculate on arcade cabins because they require a lot of room. And you know what I mean? You can't do that. Thank God, right? That'd be insane. Once you get to arcade cabinets and pinball cabinets, the... Uh, Desire for um, well, the, also the desire for all original pieces and things like that goes away too. You get a lot of repro stuff. You get a lot of reproduced overlays. You get repro, you know, pop bumper caps and shit like that. Chrono Trigger for fifty five thousand uh, sealed. That's a funny one because that one I keep remembering because that was in uh, the documentary, not for resale. Where's the Blu-ray? Whatever. Uh, Joe Santulli, uh, Digital Press, held up one in the basement, saying, "Oh, this is a Chrono Trigger. We're going to sell it for a thousand dollars," and that was like. When was that shot? Four years ago, three and a, like that's that's it. Three and a half years ago, you go from a thousand to fifty five fifty five return on fifty five x return on your investment in three years. Yeah, that's natural. That's sustainable. That's fifty five x. Crazy. An interesting one. Uh, here's the two hundred forty. Yeah. Any other ones? That, 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 at this point, GoldenEye still for for fifty nine thousand. Another dirt common game. It's. I mean. I, I know people that have something. I'm looking at like there's an Ocarina uh, collector's edition that's sealed for twenty thousand. That's actually one of the more reasonable ones. And then you have some uh, Pokemon Game Boy ones uh, that are on here. So, all right. I guess we're going to have to see how I, will they will the auction houses be scared to bring more of these to market? I wonder if they realize this could be. Or they just want to make their money. I mean, okay, well, even if it makes a hundred thousand, like the guys, auction house you know. probably doesn't care. Well, the auction house would because the higher it goes for, the more money they get from the premium. But I, the auction houses, I think, are smart enough to know that this is a bubble or that this is unnatural. They, they oh, I feel like there's no way they look at this and go, yeah, we're going to get $1.5 million Mario's all day long. No. Okay. 
Uh, Ian, uh, we got a Patreon. Patreon.com slash CE podcast. You go, you spend a little money, you get in return uh, weekly writings. I'll have one up tomorrow or the day after. Uh, you get the full video podcast. Full video. Yep, I said that right. Uh, you get a oh. weekly hangout. Pretty soon you're going to be getting bonus episodes. Bonus. Oh, yeah, you get a bonus one, one a month. Bonus. And then um, you get to partake in these polls. All right. And 39%. Should Pat and Ian avoid controversial topics? People don't like us talking about controversy on Twitter. 39%. And in first place, this is going to be an interesting one, I think. What if all video games were physically exhausting to play? Um, so my take on this is that they wouldn't be nearly as, po- nearly as popular. I mean, one of the main things that makes them popular is the fact that they are uh, passive entertainment. Um, there are definitely video games that are tiring to play. Uh, the majority of the rhythm game games uh, can be tiring to play. Even if you're not playing DDR, something like Guitar Hero or even Poppin' Music or um, you know, sure. Beatmania 2DX, you're moving yourself around a lot more than you did um, if you're just sitting there with a controller. Or even a light gun shooter like Time Christ. You're moving a little yeah, bit. you're moving around a little bit. House of the Dead. Um, I think the biggest example of the... There's two big examples, though, that I point to when they wouldn't be popular if they were physically exhausting. One, Motion Controls and Connect had a spot in the sun and uh, had their day in the sun, and it's now gone. Um, one reason is, yeah, it was gimmicky, but two, the other reason was most people, when they decide they want to play a video game, don't want to stand there and start swinging their arms around. A lot Because it's supposed to be recreational, and maybe you're tired or at home from work, or you already did something outside, exercising or yeah. working on the yard. Motion controls went immediately from something that everyone thought was cool and this interesting bridge between like normal video games and virtual reality where your actual movements start to mm-hmm. you know matter in the actual video game that you're playing. Um, but very soon, people were like, I don't want to deal with the motion controls because maybe they just wanted to play a game of golf instead of having to stand there and swing it. Or, or baseball where you swing it or boxing. It's one of those things where the option is nice, but once you start to try to make that its main input method, people don't want to do it. You don't want to sweat. You don't want to sweat. Because it's physical. Um, another, I think, example is, and this is going to end up with people getting mad at me, just like Uh-oh. the computer game thing. Oh, no, you don't upset people. Virtual reality. Virtual reality. virtual reality is neat. I did finally dip my toes into it with that quest too. I talked about it a few months ago. I like it. I use it a couple times a week. It's neat to escape. It's neat. It's neat to escape. Um, I like some of the games. I like the fishing simulators. I like the wall climbing simulator that I play. Um, I think it's just called the climb part too. But I don't use it every day. And why do I not use it every day? Because when I want to play a video game, I don't necessarily want everything translated to one-to-one movement sure one of the things i do like about my quest 2 is the you know number of apps that are like hey this gives you a little bit of exercise because you got to move around you need some space in your room you're swinging your arms around like you're swinging a racket or if you're playing beat saber something like beat saber is very much you know a cardiovascular workout it's fun it's nice i can be like hey i want to play this game and i'm going to get a workout but i'm never going to want to play that game when i don't want to work out i don't want to stand there and get stupidly sweaty yeah like would you want to play the ring fit adventure just as a recreation it's neat but no exactly you it's not it's out. not recreation it's a separate thing I, I look at the video games that i play on virtual reality i look at any video games that use motion or a dance pad i look at them 
separately than I do normal video games, and they don't cross. So, so this is how I'm going to try to. I'm going to. I'm going to phrase this Twilight Zone thing. Imagine if mental exertion worked the same as physical, where at some point it was just easier. Obviously, you can be mentally fatigued from from some games. Probably, or I was. I used to play chess in high school. You would get mentally fatigued for thinking so much. But imagine if it was on the same scale, where maybe you can mentally play a video game for only like. I don't know, 30, 40 minutes where he's like, oh, I'm exhausted. Mentally, I got it. You would, you would have reshaped the entire video game market forever because there would be no games anymore that would take a lot of time to play. There, it, would, right. it would never have developed. We would still be playing arcade games. Yes, exactly. Every game would be a five, 10 minute game mm-hmm. still. If, it was, if we were in some sort of weird zone where, like, you know, say we, we, we never evolved enough to be intelligent enough to have, you know, thought-provoking conversations, we were much simpler people where it's like, man, we really can't be focused on something and all this interactivity for more than, like, five, ten minutes or else we would get worse and worse and worse and then we just decline. Just how you do with physical activity. You're good, you're good, you're good, and then you get worse and worse and worse. If you had that for video games to that same extent, say goodbye to, like, you know, RPGs, adventure games, Stuff that you really have to get into and play a long amount of time. And you can always say, well, Pat, what if in this hypothetical you play five or ten minute stretches? No one would want to do that. No one would want to play a game for five, ten minutes and then continue on for like for a thousand times. Because then you got to recover. Say you can only, this is another way to say it. Say you can only play video games like we're in China. Say you only play video games for 15 minutes a day. That's all your body could take. That's it. That's a probably better way to look at it. That's all your mind could take before you need it's a full day of rest. 15 minutes of gaming, that's it. My mind's got to rest. I can't do it anymore. You wouldn't have all these genres of games. No, it'd be totally different because you would have taken something that was inherently a relaxing pastime for most people and turned it into a uh, you know, physical exertion. You might still have puzzle games, sports games, arcade games, simple platformers, and then you're running out. Yeah. Because those, those are like the, most of the simple game types, right? Racing, maybe. Yeah, play, maybe racing. And and after that, that's all. That's all our, our feeble minds can handle. That's all. I mean, honestly, I, really, just going to go back to it, not to lean on it, but just go back to um, VR and look at what games are the most popular in VR and what games. Ones? Yeah, they're 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 quick experiences. They're you know carved snowboarding from our friends at Chu High, which is you know you do a couple downhill runs and you're like, wow, this is impressive. It feels great. I enjoy this. I'm I'm done. You uh, puzzle bobble VR. You know you puzzle uh, bobble VRs. That's what I that that was my main <laughs> impetus for finally getting that quest too. You like look up and see the bubbles. Yeah, they, they're bubbles on a core, and you actually get a gun and you fire the bubbles and you get dinosaur hands. It's great, but it's cool. But you can't be doing that for like an hour. I, that's close, but I mean, still, that's like a half an hour thing, and it's still it's it's bite size. It's pick up and play. It's 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 chunked into pieces that that make sense for. Um, quick play there are games in vr that you know are are longer but they're the small they're the small um that's a small genre you don't have like i said like you brought up you don't have like a lot of rpgs you don't have a lot of action games that take more than a couple because physically your body can't take it you're, yeah. you're in your eyes i can't imagine readjusting it to playing an rpg for like six hours oh and yeah no. you probably you probably be nauseous right Probably. Again, that's one of the reasons why VR never took off like people thought it was. VR is going to be the next big thing. Well, wait a second. VR is cool, but it's going to take off and become something that is viewed far differently than video games. Too many people are trying to jam VR into this video game category, and it's going to be its own separate thing that requires its own type of person that enjoys it 
it requires its own ways of enjoying it. It, it, it. It's it's going to just get further and further separated, I think. Yeah, maybe the pandemic would have been, it's like, oh, vacation somewhere, walk around through VR, you know what I mean, like, do something like that. Right. But even that, I think people haven't really, people still see it like, well, it's not the same thing. So I, I think there's just still this weird in-between where a lot of people just be like, well, it's nice, but it's almost like, I don't know, it's a giant tease to some people. Now it's a whole VR conversation uh, about it. But no, it never blew up. Obviously, people predicting it would blow up, and it never got even to 10% of what people thought it would. Right. That People thought it would, would have changed the industry over the past several years, and it just didn't. It, it fizzled out. Uh, all right. Any other thoughts? It's an interesting thought conversation. Would would video games be as popular if they were, was it same say, mentally exhausting where you can play 50, 20 minutes a game? Would it have become the, the biggest? I don't think it would have. No, I, I think it would have been like okay, it's a, it's like playing a board, like a quick board game sort of thing. Maybe like every once in a while you do it because yes. like you, you can't sustain having all these games come out if you can't play them for a long amount of time. If that makes sense. Like you can't yeah. sustain the industry as much. They'd be like toys still. They'd be like handheld tabletops. In my, that's basically how we we would treat them. Ah, uh, you, you get it out every once in a while. Yeah, and you play it. You would never get into a groove of regularity because the one thing about games, which I think is super unique, that you can't do with board games or even or even easily physical activities or sports, you can't transfer from one to the other, like you can with video games. You, right? You can't pop out a cartridge easily. You can't a board game. You got to set it up. You got to read the instructions. Hey, you know how to play this game? No, I never. Yeah, we got to do a mock run through of a board, board games. You can't do that, especially with your three hundred dollar ones. Um, you can't do that with sports. You got to find another field. You got to find a basketball court, tennis court. You need more equipment. You got to rest, recharge. You can't just do that easily. You can't do that for most of those sports. With games, you can have an entirely different experience. Lickety split on your cell phone, on on your your, whatever your Game Boy, on your computer. That's the only entertainment genre you can easily do that. I guess with with TV shows, you can, and with movies, but that's a different time investment even to get into that. You can't just say, "Oh, we're going to just watch a whole another." TV show block and go through it. It's a little bit different thing for binging. People yes. usually binge back and forth. They usually just stick with the one thing. Yeah, exactly. The they part. do one thing and get it over with. Sure. So, all right. Interesting. Interesting thought experiment. The what's? Uh, Ian, we got uh, we got uh, voice messages to go through. Oh, we do. We love when you go to anchor.fm slash the CU podcast and you uh, you leave us messages, little ditties. Here's the first one. Here we go. Hey, Pat and Ian, Sean from Youngstown, Ohio. Knowing that you recently covered the Sega Master System, I was just curious as to your thoughts for bad second and third generation console iterations. Like, I know the Sega Master System 2 was terrible. Um, What are your thoughts on second and third generation console iterations for retro consoles? I just like how you guys keep it up. I was like how he said terrible. Like, yeah, he he must have personally experienced that the way I did. So the Master System Two, yeah, don't like it. Gets rid of the card port. Gets rid of the card port. It looks really weird. The bubble top. It just all the sexy form factor of the Master System is gone. Yeah, it's just a block. Color scheme is is gone. Um, I'm one of the few people, I, and I have always said this. No, no uh, composite out on this Master System Two as well. Oh, yeah. I forget that. Um, I have always, always said this. I hate the NES top loader. I think it's a hunk of shit. Um, no, no composite out in that either. No composite out. Every single one of them has fucking jail bars. I hate that system. I don't go, oh, I felt like there was three that Nintendo modded for AV composite. No. 
Stop with that. Yeah, stop. Does not count. Um, the Super Nintendo, uh, many people like to call it now, the Super Nintendo 2, uh, also hate that. I nope. don't hate it. I just don't think it's as good as the original. It just seems flimsy. The power button is flimsy. flimsy. It's just this um, shell. There's no power light, which I hate when I'm testing systems out. That's a point. Yeah. But I don't. Same, at least it's the same guts, unlike the Genesis 2 and 3, which changes the fucking entire console. Genesis 2, um, I don't hate as much as the Genesis 3, but the Genesis 3 is absolute dog shit. That was mass produced by, I believe, Majesco. Yeah. Didn't the two at least replace the, 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 the FM synthesis or change something up with that? Or I, I forget. So there's a lot uh, of differences. I, think, I, I, I don't think it's a massive difference, but someone will definitely okay. correct me angrily in the comments. Um, but. Uh, I don't like the way it, I, I just don't even like the way it looks. As is much. there and there is there is someone who there is something about certain first model Genesis systems that I believe are supposed to look better when they when they display on TVs. Oh um, yeah, the, you want the very I thought the very first one. I for, think it's the very first one that says like sixteen bit or high def sure. system or something. Don't like get me that. started on on that second edition of the Fairchild. Don't, don't get me started on that. Uh, in terms of second editions that I like, and this is actually jumping ahead a little bit because I, I, I feel like they're saying only cartridge-based systems. I actually think the PlayStation 1, uh, the second model of the PlayStation 1, the one that was actually called the PS1, the little white one, I think that's oh, cute. Oh, okay. I like do, that. Do you count that as a second? Yes. Yeah, so. No, it's, it's absolutely okay. a second iteration. It's a redesign. I, um, I, like, the PS2, I like the PS2 Slim. I uh, PS2 Slim is one that a lot of people really like, and I could take it's it. It's adorable. It's so small. I could it's take like, it or leave it. Yeah, I don't. I don't hate the fat one. I don't hate the 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 skinny one. So yeah, I guess that's how I feel about those second iteration systems. Hello, Pat and Ian. Brent from Whippany, New Jersey. Whippany. A quick appreciation to Pat for putting out a podcast every single week, going back to January 2019 when you Holy switched shit. to the weekly releases. I listened in bits and pieces all week long so that I could stretch it out to last the whole week. Uh, and a uh, quick question for Ian. When you get your Playdate console, will you expand Yokoi Kids to include the Playdate releases, or is that just not feasible with everybody getting them at different times? I don't think okay, we would. Thanks do- again. Hope you guys are doing good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we would expand it to Playdate. Uh, Yokoi Kids, uh, we have a lot of fun with it. Um, one of the main reasons we chose Yokoi, uh, we do the Game Boy stuff, though, is because it's easily accessible for everyone. Um, and if you don't have it or you don't want to buy the um, the cartridges, we're totally cool with you emulating it. There's the virtual console on the 3DS where you can get a lot of the more expensive uh, Game Boy games. You can get them for three bucks. You can get like Kid Dracula, three bucks. Benjing Spirit, three bucks. Get a flash cart. Tumble Pop, three bucks. Use a flash cart. We don't care. There's no real way to do that with... Um, You're not throwing out of the boys club. The the Playdate. <laughs> I, I, I think the Playdate's going to be cool. I like the Playdate. I'm sure I will talk about the Playdate with other people who have it, but I wouldn't want to use that as the focus for a club like that because the whole point of Yokoi Kids was to get as many people involved who wanted to for no money. And there's no way to do that right now with the Playdate. You need that unit. Damn, I wish I got the first batch. We could have done a weekly topic on, on that. I missed out by like 20 minutes. Indeed. It's like grocery shopping. Damn it. It was more like an hour or two, but still, yeah. You know what, Ian? <laughs> you should be happy I'm buying the damn thing. I don't care you, if you, you buy should. it or don't. Mr. Pat doesn't play enough modern games. This counts as modern games. I'll be playing all those games. Okay, uh, next one here. Hey, this is Matt from Rochester, New York. Uh, question for both of you. Rochester. When did you start to realize your friends from childhood weren't so friendly? i.e. the Kevins, the Aarons, the Jeffs, and the Billies. Uh, Ian, since you don't work at Luna anymore, will we hear any more tales from the game store 
now that you don't have to worry about any incidents. Uh, as always, let's go Buffalo. Is your last day this weekend? Yeah, this Saturday. So we will talk about that next week. Uh, I don't know if I will necessarily bring back Tales from the Game Store as a audio topic, but I might bring it back somewhere. Um, what was the first question? Somewhere. Where can you bring it back then? The first, uh, when did you realize your friends from childhood weren't your friends? Oh, high school. It was high school, um, and it was. And it, 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 that sounds negative, but it, it wasn't all negative. It was me realizing that I did not like to be around certain people because they were jerks. I realized that I didn't in high school. I very much began to realize that I was not a person who required a lot of social interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, I kept acting like I was in middle school and in early high school because you know everyone hangs out and everyone does stuff, but I just don't need all that. Uh, and I realized that certain people were jerks and also going out and going to raves. And even though that introduces you to a lot of jerky people going out and doing stuff outside of school in my neighborhood, starting in the middle of high school, introduced me to people who I really, truly got along with. And it wasn't like I realized, hey, you no longer have to pretend like you get along with this person just to have something to do. There are people out there that you genuinely vibe with and you can go and hang out with those people. So, yeah, I think high school was where I realized that maybe a lot of the friends I had weren't really my friends. And I really started to shut them off by by junior year or by senior year. I still had a couple of friends, but most of my longtime friends from school, I was just like, this is not worth the hassle anymore. They're all jerks. Uh, I don't have a similar sort of arc, I guess. I didn't have a lot of friends in high school, close friends. I had two friends in high school that were close. One was from, from grade school. Uh, then by senior year, they, they both left the school for different reasons. So I had like no close friends my senior year. Yay. Pat was, I wasn't depressed, but I still was friendly with people, but no one lived close to me. Sure. Cause my, well, I had a high school that like people came from, some people were bus like 50 miles a day to go to my high school, uh, at the time. Um, but Kevin real quick, Kevin was, who was one of my closest friends since second grade. First time I played the NES was again in Kevin's basement on his console TV on the ground. With at uh, uh, the wet bar was a uh, steak with mashed potatoes and peas while kung fu was paused on the screen. <laughs> One of those things you never forget. You never forget those experiences. Um, I found out like in sixth, seventh grade, he went to a you know there were some parties that kids was, even when you're like thirteen, you got invited to parties, twelve, thirteen, and I found out that he was making fun of me at that party. Um, he was doing like a dance and making fun of me, and I approached him about it. And I found out I was like, why did you do that? He's like, oh, it was just in good fun. I was like, that's when I realized you're. You don't do that if you're someone's friend. You yeah. Don't, you don't fucking do that to get. You don't try to get over on someone if, if, if they're your friend. So, fuck you, Kevin. Jerks. And we weren't. We weren't the same after that. Uh, obviously. Can't imagine doing that to an actual friend. Hey, Pat and Ian, it's Sean from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I'm looking for any ideas that you guys might have about setting up a local gaming group for a parks and rec department. Hmm. I'm trying to set up something in Milwaukee. A lot of the places around here, like our local barcades and lounges, are pretty good, but I feel that you're always obligated to buy something when you go there. And I don't really think it does a great job at fostering community involvement, especially in the retro and the modern gaming scene. I have some ideas of maybe like doing a Mario Kart tournament or a Smash tournament. Um, I even had some ideas of maybe doing like a video game of the month club, kind of like a book club thing. Um, But I'm looking just for some other ideas that maybe I might be missing out on. Um, That's a great idea. Uh, it depends on what your goal is. You want you want to be informative. You want to do edutainment. You want just people to have a good time. I would sort of lean on if you wanted to be edutainment. Maybe you focus on a different console each time. 
and make it like do like a short back history and have like some of the good games on that. Sure. And do like that. And then, and I think even if like they're younger kids that never, never played before, kids like to learn. Um, they're sponges for this stuff. It might be interesting to walk them through consoles they might never have heard of and be like, oh, that's interesting. Oh, maybe. Like maybe, maybe like you start with like, you know, one week you do the Genesis, one week you do the Atari. They can like, oh, look, it's only one button. And they get do a kick- month by month, I think. But yeah. Yeah. Something like that. And you can sort of like, Teach them, teach them about the history of an entire inter- entertainment medium. That's well, you got any thoughts? What, what what should the kids do? Uh, no, I, I think honestly, I think he's got a good. I, I I hate to you know not offer any advice. Your idea is good. I think his ideas are fine too. I feel like the easiest way to get people into a video game group is to start with something that everyone knows. You start with Mario Kart, and it, it does oftentimes happen to be Nintendo stuff. You start with Mario Kart. You start with Smash Brothers. Uh, you use a fighting game everyone knows. You start with something like Street Fighter Two, um, and that gets people uh, into it. And once people are into it, then you can start introducing them to. Um, you know, slightly less known games. And I, as a person who has been part of running a game of the month club for a few years now, uh, it really does generate chat. There are months where we don't talk a lot, but then there are months where we really do spend a month talking about the game and how to get better at it and stuff like that. So um, I think all of those are good ideas. Hey guys, Ian, do long load times and constant updates turn you off from gaming sometimes? And question for Pat, what's your favorite item on the menu at Friendly's? Thank you. <laughs> There's only ice cream at Friendly's. Like, no one ever talks about the food at Friendly's. Yeah. No, so, like, it's, you don't go to Friendly's. No one cares about the chicken you tenders You don't go for the moth sticks or the burgers. I remember them being decent, but, like, no one goes for that. Yeah. P- Peter a cup Sunday. Come on. Um, Kill me. I, uh, what was the first question? I forget. Oh, long load times. Long load times. Sorry, I got started thinking about ice cream at Friendly's. Uh, long load times. <laughs> updates, constant updates do bother me if every time I turn on a fucking system really? I have to get an update or if I have to update the game or if Pat presses the button again. <laughs> um, but load times, no, load times have actually never bothered me. I can wait 60 seconds. Uh, I mean, I play a lot of PC Engine. I play a lot of PC Engine CD. I mean, it's, it's what I do. I don't just collect it to look at it on a shelf. I play this shit all the time. And those load times are not always great, and it doesn't really bother me. Ian, you yellow Sega selling game peddler, I'm calling you out. This here's Toy, maker of that there animated Tales from the Game Store. Pretty <laughs> sweet. Now, what I say, what's this I hear about you quitting Luna? That ain't an option. We need more Tales, not less. <laughs> if you're quitting, no, I want to recommend a new series. Ian's Tales from the Grain Store. I picture this. There you are washing the spittoon. When in comes perilous Pete wandering in, wearing his old bib suspenders over one arm. Till that one button, the only thing between us and the horrors of the deep, proceeds to fail us. Down go his coveralls, down go our eyes, and down go our sex drives. Permanently. Well, I reckon that's enough for now. Ian, I just want to say good luck on your new journey. I really hope you well, and maybe one day you can tell us some more stories. Hopefully, they're good ones. Have a good one. Thanks, guys. Thank you. I don't ever want to see any nude Cletuses. Never break character! (laughs) You had me. It was pretty good schnick. It was. Um, uh, Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, But I am very excited. And I'll talk more about Luna next week. I'll do a couple more. Hey, Pat and Ian, it's Alex from Winnipeg. 
Um, just with the way uh, these video game auctions have been going with uh, retro games lately, uh, Pat, what do you think uh, your NWC cart would go for if you tried to auction it off with how ridiculous things have been lately? Um, also, Ian, do you got anything in your collection that you think might be uh, something that might sell pretty good too? Uh, love the show, guys. Take it easy. Do you have anything that would be worth money or you got rid of most of the stuff? I, 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 I have lots of money sitting in my pc engine collection but i'm not getting rid of any of it but that's not like the water stuff though no it's not i, I don't oh, have no, anything don't. that's like that level and i'm not really yeah i i have lots of stuff that would be expensive by old standards but not by water sealed game collecting standards okay um uh, well, well the last nwc gray went for about what i asked me was that 180 it went for that's about what i thought it would i thought it would go for at least 150 because that's how they've been trailing slowly up uh over the years um, the gold one is still a mystery. Um, I hate to be the person to try to say what my games I own are worth. Like, cause I say hate when I saw that back in the day on Nintendo age, but the gold one historically has always been worth four to five times a gray one roughly in that neighborhood. And that's about in line with the scarcity of one versus the other, probably it's more scarce than that. So I'm not going to say it would go for half a million, but I would not be shocked with all this going on that it would go for that much. It wouldn't go for, I think only a little bit more since there's only 13 of them, but you know, sure. it's good. Someone's going to be the first Guinea pig to do it. It ain't going to be me. That's for sure. I'm not after our coverage of water. I ain't sent any of my games to want come back with a fucking fucking sliced off. The, you know what I mean? Like, just a I'm not saying they would do that, but like, I would wait until CGC does. I I go for CGC. Sure, I'm not in any rush. I'm not in a rush to to sell any of my stuff. There's about probably in terms of greatest stuff. I stuff that I would grade that's sealed, and oh, I have complete in box stuff. I would grade because that's all crazy now. But for sealed stuff, there's only probably like a handful of things. That really? I could, yeah, I got like the Legend of Zelda, Zelda two. Uh, that I got the Pokemon sealed. Uh, which is the one I have? One of the Pokemon games. Gold. Oh. Gold sealed. You know, got that Craigslist. Remember that Craigslist thing I got? Yeah. Like 10 years ago. So there's some, but not a lot. Uh, okay, we'll do uh, two more here. Hey, Pad. Hey, Ian. This is Josh. Hey, Josh. Quick question. What is your favorite convention to go to? Mine would be Too Many Games, and I've seen you guys there a couple times. Thanks. Um, I don't want to call out a favorite because the other ones are going to hate me. I enjoy all of them, but I liked it for different reasons. I've enjoyed all of them, but I, I, I no, it's fine. I, I can say which ones I've enjoyed the most. Whatever. Uh, all of them have been... I, I will say this. I have not been to a convention as a guest that has not been good to me. Um, they've all been... I have. They've, they've all been pretty stellar to me. In terms of the conventions that I really like, I love PRG. It's It's... No lie. I, I love PRGE. I love Portland. I love going to Portland. I love everyone that I see there. I love how that convention is run. I love all the pinball machines. I, I, I just think it's a really great convention. And um, unfortunately, they both seem to, I think, run at the same time now or very close to each other if, if, we, if the world ever gets back on track. Uh, I thought Long Island Retro Gaming was a fantastic convention. I loved Long Island. It was fucking... Not just because the best pizza in the world. It, 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 was, all... it was a really nice convention, yeah. and the really Aerospace nice. Museum where they held it was just great. Love sure. both of those conventions to death. No, all, all, uh, yeah. 
Long Island, too many games is great. I mean, they're, yeah, they're too the, many games has treated me well. AVGC treated Soul me Cal, well. SoCal treats me fantastically. Syracuse. That's one that I can't. I mean, I've only been to two of those, and they've both been in different spots. But both SoCal's I've done have been great too. Uh, the one in Syracuse, Retro Game Con, maybe one day you can go back to nor- Northern New York with me uh, for that one. That one's not happening this year. They, they canceled it. Uh, obviously, Portland. Portland is like you see everyone at Portland. This is why I like it for yes. the most part. You see everyone, everyone that you, you only text and tweet at every year. You see, you know, you see everyone. It's almost like a reunion, yeah. which is why it's such a shame. No, it is. It's a big one. Which is why it's a shame that for two years in a row we don't have it. Like, yeah. It's, it's going to be three years between them. I know. Is that kind of weird? Three years. It's almost, that's a huge amount of time. We'll only have so many spins around the, around, the, around the sun, as Frank says. Well, we don't have a huge amount of them. So, like, three years is a long freaking time. God, I wish that there was PRG this year. But... Next year it will be there, Ian. Maybe with a certain uh, new guidebook. Maybe the trilogy will be complete by then, depending when they have it. Uh, all right. I think uh, we have someone else checking in. Oh, we do? Someone else checking in here. Boy, you guys must have loved that Kotaku article about me. You're probably laughing it up like Statler and Waldorf over there. You know what? It's probably my fault because I actually tagged Kotaku in a post back in 2018. I just wanted to show them a picture of the Amico prototype. They probably got all annoyed at me or something. I didn't even notice until now, but somebody commented on it and said, hey, looks like a takeout container. <laughs> I can't believe I never blocked them for that. But you know what? I'll go ahead and do that right now. That'll show them. Boom! Have fun in the block zone with Pat. But the joke's on you, because I just tweeted out a good write-up I got from, what's the name? Oh, Commodore blog. Who needs Kotaku when I have Commodore <laughs> blog? And they don't bash me for how many hours I spend fighting with people on the internet because whether the Amico comes out or not, these losers got to get owned. That's how it is on the streets. You hit me, boom, I'm hitting you back. Don't at me, whatever that means. The funny thing about that is that that's, that's the personality. That's not like, right, that's it. <laughs> uh, is there a Commodore blog? If they are, they probably don't like us after our coverage of PC games last week. <laughs> yeah, right. They probably don't like it at all. All right, is that it for the podcast? That's yeah. it. I'm going home. We had fun. Yeah. Are you leaving on a jet plane? No. no. He's leaving on a jet plane. I don't know that whole song. You know, you know what song I wasn't, I couldn't think of. Um, I forgot the name of it. The, the, I was thinking of Muzak uh, during my editor's meeting. And um, the Billy Joel song was always the music when I always heard the version of Remember that song? Don't forget me. I do not remember. And so I didn't know it was Billy Joel. And so it haunted me with that melody. And, uh, you know, it's like a mid-70s song. I used to always hear that in the doctor's office when the music was around. Right. Hmm. Come, you know, Billy Joel. Did some good, nice little ditties. Yeah, piano man. You know he how old he was when he did that song? Like twenty something. Twenty three. Yeah, I was gonna say. I, mean, I, I, was, I was actually gonna say twenty two. I, I mean, that's a fucking long. genius. Yeah. That young doing a song like that. Yeah. I mean, holy shit. You think like, okay, he's like 30, 30. No, he was super young. He was just basically still starting out. Yeah. No, I, I knew that. he was young. I, I like. I, said, like I his, thought he was twenty two. And that's like or, or, could be, but that's like his trademark song. That's like one of the most famous fucking songs ever. And he was like so young when he did that. Yeah. Genius guy. He closed uh, Shea Stadium. That's Billy Joel. He, he closed uh, Shea Stadium when they closed in 2008. He did a two, two-day concert. Oh, yeah. Right before they demolished it. Makes sense. Yeah. Well, Long Island guy. Makes yep. sense. Queens. 
Anyway, is that it? We're That's done. it. We're done. We'll see you later, everyone. Bye. Don't forget me.